I was at a training and the um, facilitator was asking or like sharing about, um, I think they're called stress punishment. Mm. um and she assumed I would know what that means and she literally called me out in the midst of that whole group I was like oh you would know what I'm talking about hi everyone and welcome to the listen in podcast my name's Aravana my name is Anya and my name's Boomi let's get into it On today's episode, we'll be taking another look at identity, but we'll be specifically talking about lots of different topics, such as that experience of being an insider, but also an outsider at the same time. We hope you enjoy it. So I have, there's a podcast that I listen to that I really like. It's called Rough Translations. It's an NPR podcast and they were talking about um, they're doing a whole series about identity. And obviously we've talked about identity as well last season. But um, it was really interesting because they had lots of different people from around the world talking about their identity Mm. and how other people identified them as well. And the mismatch between that sometimes And um, yeah, it just reminded me a lot about some of the conversations that we've had um, with each other about, you know, how much we represent our our cultures or not, and how other people see us in a certain way. Um, So yeah, just wanted to kind of talk about that a bit more today, especially thinking about it in like a professional context Mm. as well. So do you want to talk a bit more about that now and share kind of what your main kind of takeaway points were? Um, It wasn't really a takeaway. It was more of a a resonance. Do you know what I mean? It was more of like, just because I think that sometimes when you um, feel something or experience something, you always think that it's you. But then when you hear other people saying it, it just, you can just relate to it. So Mm. what was really funny is that, um, obviously like I feel like I've said this 10 million times but obviously born in the UK you know lived in Ghana here and there Mm. um and obviously defining your identity or saying what your what your identity is Mm. or even your culture and things like that is is so multifaceted so if I'm filling in a form you know there's certain boxes that I tick but if I'm describing myself to somebody depending on who I'm talking to and Mm. depending on the situation Mm. and depending on when you talk to me it's different things right Mm. so like I've said before for the longest time I always used to say I'm Ghanaian first but I kind of that's kind of um evolved for various reasons Mm. and sometimes I just call myself a citizen of the world (laughs) Mm. I just do and what was really weird is that on that in that podcast somebody said I just call myself a citizen of the world and I was like what (laughs) I thought I made that up (laughs) but I get what he means because it gets complicated especially if you if you've been or lived in more than one place Mm. and more than two places sorry if it's two places then it's a bit more it may I don't know maybe it's not but it can feel a bit more clear-cut um 
or if you've maybe lived in one place, but let's say if I'd never lived in Ghana, but my parents were from Ghana, then I feel like I could more easily say my parents are from Ghana. I never mm. say that though. And when I feel like when someone says that to me, it has a different meaning for me. I don't know if that's what they mean, but I, I, I interpret that a different way. So it's just all these really like, I think, you know, like we, they talk about ethnic minorities and stuff like that, but actually it's so, there's so many levels to it. It is a complex web and it's so mm. individual. And I think that sometimes like, you know, like they'll say, oh, like you, you'll be able to relate to, to relate to this because you're from Ghana. And it's like, yes, but also no. <laughs> And also on the Ghanaian side, they're going to say no as well to me in some things and yes to me in some things as well. Mm. And then we haven't even gone into the whole education, um, class, life experience, like all of those things, all of those layers on top. So we'll just stick to like cultural (laughs) stuff for today. But it is really, really... um, complicated and you simplify it because that's life and you need to just have boxes to get on with things but it's actually really when you think about it it's um a lot to sort of bear in mind Mm. Mm. yeah what do you guys think does that sort of like do you feel like that at all or i i think it's quite difficult for me to to say that I completely resonate with all of that, just purely because I'm one of those people who say that my parents are from somewhere. Mm. My parents are from Jamaica, for example, because I was born here, but then I still Mm. have, I still find that I associate myself with the culture a lot as well, the Jamaican culture. culture. Yeah. Yeah. but then even when you come when it comes to like filling out forms and they ask where you're from it's like black british caribbean mm-hmm. that's, my, that's my ethnicity i don't feel like it's just british mm. or, or just you know i think it, it's the caribbean influence is is very strong as well mm. and that, that is part of my roots so mm. yeah that's really interesting mm. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting that you ask different people and you get very, very different responses as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can definitely resonate with some of you both. But I think I think one of the things I like about this podcast is because we have like very, like the subtle, the huge differences between us, but also some really subtle differences and it just makes mm-hmm. it an interesting picture. Um, like for me, I was raised in Nigeria. Um, so until the age of about 15, 16, I keep meaning to actually check the date, but like I've stopped <laughs> calculating now because it's been a little while. But at least at this point, it feels like I've lived like half and half of my life um, in Nigeria and here. And so there's certain things that obviously I have like still have really strong ties with the Nigerian culture. But mm. actually, like, um, like if I think about myself and obviously Nigeria as a whole, and this is why mm. I feel like there's so many layers to these things, like even in the culture side of things without thinking about age, like the demographics and everything mm. else that like makes makes up a people um, or like a sense of identity, really, um, that 
actually, when you think about the Nigerian culture, I can't say that there is a specific Nigerian culture, mm-hmm. even though like to outsiders, it might feel like there is a Nigerian culture because you yeah. say you're Nigerian and people automatically assume, well, you must know how that person is, but that person would be very, very different from me. Like, even though mm-hmm. I'm, I'm Yoruba, my ethnic group is Yoruba, even with that, there's so many different dialects, so many different cultures, so many, mm-hmm. there's just so many different things that makes up a people. I mean, they say that there's at least 300, 300 languages in Nigeria and over 500 dialects. Mm-hmm. So, and you can imagine how many cultures would be within all of that. Mm-hmm. So when people assume that I should know certain thing about someone just because we're from Nigeria, it doesn't make sense. And even when someone also assumes that I should know something about someone because we're both Yoruba, Mm. On a level, yes, I might. On another level, it will be very, very different because of their cultural background as well. Mm. So, yeah, I don't feel like I, I can speak to certain things, but I just can't speak to, I can't be the spokesperson for my community in a sense. <laughs> just, yeah. just based on that. And that's a very, that's like keeping it very broad. Real. Simple. Yeah. 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 Really interesting. And do you think that people put that, pressure on you to be the spokesperson it can feel like that sometimes I mean sometimes you get like both at work and outside of work that you get people ask you certain questions and even you're taking a back break because you're like I, I can't answer that I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about mm-hmm. and so sometimes or like when people like even something as simple as a name mm-hmm. I'd have people come up to me and say how do you pronounce that name I'm like I'm as clueless as you are <laughs> or like even even a really like really it was a it wasn't an it wasn't an experience I was pleased with but it just goes to show um I was at a training and um I've shared with you both I'm sure I don't know if I've if I've shared it on um on what any of our episodes before so pardon me listeners if it's a repeat (laughs) but um I was at a training and the um facilitator was asking or like sharing about um I think they're called stress punishment Mm. um and she assumed I would know what that means and she literally called me out in the midst of that whole group I was like oh you would know what I'm talking about first off I wasn't the only black person in the room (laughs) so I have no idea why she thinks I would know but she called me out and it's just like people just expect you to know things (laughs) or Mm. like be aware of things on one hand sometimes you do feel bad for not knowing those things and another hand you're like well, hopefully other people learn that just because I'm part of that culture doesn't mean I would always know. And another thing to say, actually, is the fact that I haven't lived in Nigeria for so long. Things mm-hmm. have changed. Culture is not static. Yeah. Culture evolves over time. So, like, yeah. even, though I, even though I lived in Nigeria when I was younger, when I go back, there are certain places I go that I'm still made to feel like an outsider. Mm. Yeah. And I think the other thing is, um, I've forgotten the, the proper term for it, but obviously... It's that thing of when you when you go to another place, you do start most of the time you do start to take on that culture as well. So even if you have, even if your culture is very strong, there's bits of, of the dominant culture that yeah. you're in that you're going to start assimilating yeah. to. So then you're, you, it makes it quite. Um, and also when you've been educated in these mm. systems as well, yes. sometimes you can just have a very Western way of thinking mm. where it gets to a point where in some ways you're kind of no longer able to relate to mm. the people from your um, culture 
because your way of thinking about it is now different to how they mm. think about it. Yes. So you you end up saying the same because th- you've been trained on this is how we think about these things where you actually now can't see another side to the way that they're thinking about a certain situation, yes. you know, like culturally. So it's something that's, um, you know, quite complicated. But saying that... <laughs> I think broadly speaking a lot of times you do know like there is Mm. it's a funny thing because it's always really um that conversation is awkward like you know what that lady said to you like you know what I'm talking about and I remember when you told me that story I was like why is she assuming that you know what she's talking about but also I do know what she's talking about at the same time (laughs) exactly (laughs) but why are you assuming that I know what you're talking about exactly that was my problem because I knew what she was talking about but I was just calling it I was like why do you assume I know (laughs) you know I did know I definitely knew what she was like that was my experience as a young one but she didn't know any of that about me so why would she make that assumption I probably just I probably just someone who's been stressed punished by life <laughs> sometimes it's just the principle you're like no don't make assumptions but actually I do know yeah. <laughs> but yeah like in some ways I feel like like most of the time broadly speaking generally speaking yes like mm. we are representative of our communities mm. to a certain degree but we're also like we've been saying we're insiders but we're also outsiders Mm. So we are an inside to um, the cult, both sides. We're insiders in terms of the, the clinical side and um, cultural side. But sometimes the people that you're working with see you as an outsider. So mm. for example, if I'm working with some someone that's like recently come from um, Ghana and they, they perceive me, they know from my accent they know from my name (laughs) that I'm Ghanaian but they know like they can hear my accent so they know that I've Mm. grown up here so actually sometimes the way they perceive me is I'm not Ghanaian Mm. do you know what I mean sometimes they do see me or they see me as a certain type of Ghanaian like one of those Ghanaians that I've grown up here whatever all of whatever comes with that Mm. so sometimes it's helped I would say majority of the time, 99.9% of the time, when I've had people who are uh, West African, African, sometimes you can see that Mm. they just, um, they just, like, they'll say to me, like, oh, what's your name? And then I'll tell them my name. They're like, oh, where's that from? And I'll say Ghana. They'll be like, oh, I'm from, I don't know, Botswana or something. So then you have something in common. So then it, Mm. it just makes them feel a bit more at ease. And then you can have like general, very, very generalized conversations about Africa, Africans, culture and Mm. stuff, which we all know we're generalizing, but, you know, we understand each other. Yeah. But then sometimes there's there's a few situations where it's the opposite effect, where Mm. sometimes they actually don't want to be talking to a fellow Ghanaian or someone who does know the culture or anything. Sometimes they Mm. want someone it's not as as usual but I found that where sometimes they don't want to talk to me they want to talk to someone else for Mm. different reasons it could be personality as well I'm not you know I I can't um deny that but Mm. I think sometimes there is that um I don't know I get that that feeling that impression but Mm. most of the time it is extremely helpful and and 
sometimes we can have conversations mm. where I don't know if those conversations will come up with somebody else. So they'll feel yeah. more comfortable saying something Mm. that is kind of cultural perhaps Mm -hmm. or whatever to me because they know that I know what it is I feel like it allows allows you to break the ice in some ways Mm. yes and um allows you allows them to feel a bit more maybe um relaxed Mm -hmm. around you so that's a huge positive but at the same time there's loads of differences as well and sometimes um sometimes it can be a barrier because mm. you just don't know how they're even though you're from the same place quote unquote it doesn't necessarily mean that you're representative of them or that mm. they feel that you there's something in common because mm-hmm. to them I'm still a representative of you know this institution or, or whatever mm. yes definitely times mm. I find that when people um when people know that you're from the same culture Mm. regardless of differences and it can swing both ways that sometimes people do a good job of maintaining boundaries but other times they can begin to sometimes overstep those boundaries because they Mm. assume that Mm. you can relate on that level or that you um yeah I've had some experiences of um people probably telling me too much about themselves than I felt was necessary to know in my professional capacity Mm. Um, just because we're from the same culture or like making certain jokes because again within my culture for example we have that kind of like elderly and young person dynamics yeah <laughs> that like you you tend to call more people than you would like to aunties and uncles um <laughs> but that happens um so I wasn't even calling this person an auntie or an uncle but that dynamic is there anyway yeah. because I'm younger and they're older so regardless of my professional abilities that's just chucked in the bin for a second yeah. but anyway <laughs> so this you person started to tell me things and I was like mm, no I don't know how to respond to this <laughs> if I said it in English like all right focus now in the nicest possible and professional way Regardless of how I said it, because of that dynamics, they would have still taken offense to it. Mm. So <laughs> it's just really weird and it puts you in an uncomfortable place. And I'm sure I, I'm yeah. not the only one. I can't be the only one. No, you're not. I, um, I've had a few situations where like, I have to sort of really switch on the professional <laughs> sort of button because I'll be like working with a health, I'll like go and see a health visitor and she ends up being a Ghanaian and she's older mm. than me. And I have to stop myself from calling her auntie because I'm like I don't know. there's so many times I'm like I'm gonna be like auntie whatever I'm like no I'm at work I shouldn't be calling her auntie because I'm at work but now I feel bad because she's obviously older than me and I should obviously be calling her auntie but I'm having to call her Judith or whatever I don't know it's just a bit there's so many times where I'm like yeah this is yeah <laughs> all these little things then so when you when you go and call her by her name how does she respond is she looking at you like you didn't even call me auntie or I think it depends like it's so like sometimes ish if that makes sense so there's certain people where if I sometimes it slips out (laughs) sometimes it's just like you know without planning to end up saying it by accident but I think Mm. they also understand the situation as well that we're at work so I'm gonna call you a first name but sometimes if I get quite close to them Mm. then I feel even more pressure to be like 
polite. <laughs> yeah. But I wouldn't do it in front of colleagues. Maybe if I was, maybe it was just me and her or something. Mm. Yeah. Perhaps. But yeah, it's just little awkward things where you're like, culturally, in this culture, in this work culture, we're equal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But actually, at the back of my mind, there's culture, culture. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I should actually just be calling you auntie right now. Or like sometimes, like there's been times where I'll have like Nigerian parents or whatever, and then they make their kids call me auntie, which oh, yeah, I don't mind. Too. But then sometimes colleagues are like, <laughs> why are they why they're calling us auntie? And I'm like, yeah, it's just we're older, like that we're an older woman, they have to call us yeah. auntie. <laughs> you just reminded me, I've had that like on two occasions actually. Like, and I'm just like, it makes me really uncomfortable for these children because they have like they already have like they already have needs, like in terms of their speech, <laughs> language and communication needs. So if, they, if you're trying to teach them who an uncle and auntie is, but then they meet this total stranger. <laughs> but sometimes I feel like I'm overthinking because these children are usually fine with it. They're, they're yeah. used to it now. Just like, bye, hey, auntie. Bye, I'm auntie. Like, oh. <laughs> bye, auntie. <laughs> like, I have had parents like sometimes say to me, oh, give auntie a big hug. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that as well. I've had that as well. And, and I don't know what to say. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. It's just like the the sort of yeah. where those things meet. It's exactly. awkward, but it's good at the same time. It's like yeah. sweet and sour. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because on one hand, you do feel like, you feel really good that this, people feel comfortable around you mm. um enough to show and like you said Arabna before about like the openness that sometimes you get a whole lot more out of people just because they spot similarities um but other times it can be a barrier as well because mm. then I think people worry about what will get back to the community yeah. even though you may not necessarily know them from anywhere but yeah. I think there's that element of not trusting people that look like you sometimes based yeah. on probably based on history personal experience whatever it is so it's, it can be like you said sweet and sour experience where mm. some are like very forthright with what they like what they share with you they're very open sometimes mm. some don't know the boundaries and at other times some are just like no I'm not talking to her for whatever mm. reasons but mm. it's there yeah it's really interesting yeah it was I was just, as you was talking, I was remembering actually, um, when I worked in mainstream schools, there was a child that um, I saw um, who's also black and he was quite um, primary school, so he's primary school aged. And he had an older brother who was my age mm. and who he spent a lot of time with and things. And I could see that he could relate to me a bit better maybe because of my age and the fact mm. that I was black and I felt that he really kind of he relaxed a bit over time like he, mm. he didn't want to attend therapy sessions often but <laughs> he, <laughs> he did relax I could kind of talk him around mm. um, but yeah I just found that was really interesting and just seeing how he kind of relaxed into the sessions a bit more so I do think even age plays can play mm. an impact on things um, and mm. As well as um, race, as well. Yeah, and culture. I think anything that people feel that they can relate to you on yeah. helps them to relax. And that's why I feel like sometimes, like, how do I phrase this? So it is important for us to be representative and all of that stuff. 
but obviously sometimes there isn't going to be someone from quote unquote the community and sometimes you'll get somebody quote unquote from the community but actually they're not representative of, of the person that you're you know talking to mm. you know um for various reasons so I feel like there is something there is some this um skill that we all need to have to be able to find that common ground with people and make them make them know that you can you do respect their where they're coming from like mm -hmm. you can you can kind of tap into that sort of cultural or whatever it is space mm -hmm. and um yeah use that to help them relax because you know I'm not from I'm like I said I'm, I'm Ghanaian or whatever I'm not from I don't know Jordan <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I can't work from a, with a family who come from Jordan I just mm. need to have that sort of cultural awareness mm. and um, cultural competence and start to you know have that rapport with them and, and make find what's meaningful for them and, and try and incorporate it that way and, and learn myself as well which mm. is easy to say in all these you know nice sentences <laughs> but actually obviously in real life it is it can be a bit tricky but I say all that to say that it is possible for people who are not from the culture to actually relate to somebody in that culture just by taking a few you know small steps or, or just trying to understand them or trying to understand what's meaningful to them as well mm. yeah definitely and I, I think you really hit the nail on the head by saying mm. just trying to learn so being open to learn definitely, and not generalizing all of all the same time because actually even even from my perspective sometimes I do feel like I am the spokesperson for all black people you know mm. <laughs> you know if there is um a black patient for example a black colleague and something's going on then then they'll come to me and say oh you know was this is this offensive? And it's like, well, you know, certain times I, I can't answer because actually, mm. you know, there are cultural differences within mm -hmm. the black community. Of course. You know, there's there's differences, as you said for me, within countries. Mm -hmm. Um there's Caribbeans, there's there's also um Africans, but then there's different there's different countries in Africa, there's different yeah. countries in the Caribbean, there's different cultures within those countries as well. Exactly. So, I feel like you can't really generalize, mm. um, but I feel like being a minority, you do feel like you are the the voice. Yeah, <laughs> and you end up being the voice. Like it's it's inevitable. Like yeah. and somehow, I think sometimes it's positive because yeah. for me, sometimes I feel that there are certain things that I can say. Oh, actually, you know, from maybe some of my friends and things that I've observed, I can say, oh yeah, actually. Um, it could be this, but I'm mm. not saying it is. That's yeah. A, these are things to consider. Mm. It, could this, it could be that, but I'm not saying it absolutely is because I'm not that person. I don't know. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. I think it is just important that, you know, we don't feel the pressure of having to know the answers all the time. We're able yeah. to say, um, I don't actually know. Mm. Mm. Sometimes we're just this, we're the same level of an outsider as you, who's That's not it. not even from a minority. Sometimes exactly. I mean, it's not that often, but there are cases where you're also the outsider. Yeah, um, 
and sometimes mm-hmm. even more of an outsider because interestingly mm-hmm. like I've met some people of a different culture on the surface like you see them or you hear where they're from and you assume that they don't know certain things but they may have lived within a certain culture for so long mm-hmm. I've heard it a few times that both in my professional um, role as well as just in general everyday life mm-hmm. like even slip-ups like speaking Yoruba next to a white person just because you think they can't understand and then they turn around to you and they actually understand mm. <laughs> if that makes sense they yeah. might be able to like they especially if they still live within that culture there are lots of things that they probably know more than you who have who's not lived within that culture um mm. for a number of times so it's just like yeah you at some like I think the point I'm making with that is the fact that you could be even more of an outsider than someone who's not from the same culture mm. uh, just because they like they've kept up they've made the effort exactly (laughs) they've made the effort that's that's the point they've made the effort yeah yeah so yeah it's funny Mm. I find it really funny that it's not just me that has that anti-dilemma no (laughs) no like I've experienced it in not just in not just in speech and language and working with like um like different people but even like in other jobs I've had before this yeah like to the point where someone was expecting it so we were working in a professional capacity, but she was expecting me to call her an auntie at yeah. work. I was like, no. Nice. <laughs> it caused a lot of friction, but no. <laughs> I'm sure she survived somehow. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so funny. It is, it is. Hilarious. I think it's really, I think this is a really important, important topic. Um, and I think I remember just to kind of like, think about when I started speech and language therapy and probably even before I thought oh because I'm going to be like one of the minorities um doing this course it might just mean that obviously within the culture that people might like feel more comfortable talking with me but that's that assumption has been well challenged mm-hmm. <laughs> just by actually doing it and working um did you guys feel like you thought the same before you started or actually you just you just worked with whatever you got um Hmm. Hmm. I think, yeah, I think I just sort of worked with what I had. And also where I started working, it wasn't very diverse anyway. Mm. So when I did see um, families from an, an African background or West African background, it was really like, oh, wow, like, mm. you know. Um, and I don't think I thought about it as much as I do now. I wish I had thought about it a bit more, but I just feel like whenever I did, I don't know, I just felt an extra level of responsibility Mm. for certain things, especially if they told me something that is um, cultural and can be misunderstood. Mm. I always felt like, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to explain this? Mm. for people to understand so they don't get in in trouble like they don't like obviously like you know like when we spoke to Michelle you know abuse is abuse I'm not talking about abuse I'm talking about um just cultural differences Mm. even in the way that families talk to their children or Mm -hmm. expect them to to do or even the thing of like say bye to auntie like mm. some people will be like that's a bit much like why are you getting them to call a complete stranger auntie but obviously I I know why they're saying it because it's just mm-hmm. it's a, a norm a cultural norm mm-hmm. in not only are like obviously a lot of Asian communities they have a similar thing as well yeah um so yeah I always felt just that level of 
um, responsibility to um, try and translate <laughs> translate the the message and the culture mm. well. <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah, and it's a lot because I just there wasn't anyone to talk to about it, mm. and I feel like that there, there is a need to be able to talk these things through with other other people not necessarily mm. I'm not saying that I need to have a group of Ghanaian therapists and we all talk about seeing Ghanaian people in the UK I just mean like some sort of forum to talk about cultural um competencies awareness mm. all of that stuff yes and, and tease out these things so that you're able to make better judgments because mm. yeah like even when I just now I just remembered one and I remember it's just like it was like something heavy on my heart or something I was just like when I was writing my notes I was like how am I gonna write this like if someone reads this what I don't like I can see especially because it was someone who was new to the country just you know had come from Nigeria but not, not not long ago so the way she was describing things or the way she was explaining things was um something that others would misunderstand Mm. at the same time I know that I could also be reading lots of things into what she's saying as well that is not there you know Mm. I I need to include that as well so I I just um yeah I I found that really tricky I found that really and there wasn't anyone to sort of discuss it with so I had to just sort of go with my my gut and keep talking to her and being like oh you know there's this and you know, in this country, there's this, like, that's how I tended to sort of go around it, like, in this country, what Mm. they can do is this, or in this country, when they say this, they mean, like, that sort of approach, Mm. but sometimes I didn't like that either, sometimes that felt like not the right thing, (laughs) Mm. I don't know, it's just, it's, it's a really funny position to be in, it's a, it's a position of um, privilege, and, Mm. you know, it's, it's a good thing, it's an asset or whatever you want to call it but there's also so much that comes with it that you Mm. just kind of just try and manage on your own but actually it'd be good to talk about more definitely I can definitely relate to that um like it's just like sometimes like just a classic example actually and I think we've kind of talked about this briefly in another episode um I might be wrong maybe just our general chit chat um, but how sometimes a child might come in and they're a bit subdued in the session. Mm-hmm. So you know how you're doing therapy and some children are very, and this is not even a cultural thing, but I've noticed it more with probably children from a similar culture sometimes, that they're a bit more subdued because of that adult-child dynamic and how they aren't always, especially like if parents are kind of newish to the country, that sometimes the children don't talk as much in the presence of adults because there's mm-hmm. that dynamic of children are seen, not heard. Mm. And that can impact on therapy sessions or like sometimes where I'm working with a really young child. Um, and again, this is not even just the like Yoruba or Nigerian culture. I've also seen it like with some of the Asian families I've worked with where parents have said to me, I don't have time to sit down with this child and play games with them mm. because in that culture, that's not what they do. Like they don't yeah. tend to sit down. And I think I was reading a piece of research on that. Actually, I think um, um, 
it was talking about um what like recently we took we did a talk on bilingualism at my workplace and i think this was a piece of um best practice paper that sean pert had done for the rcslt mm -hmm. and i was talking about how like usually there's sometimes we want to go for a parent-child interaction sort of approach mm -hmm. or a family mm -hmm. but that might not be an acceptable or like the best approach whereas more yeah. directive therapy my work more for that family because yeah. they don't PCI <laughs> in their yeah. everyday life. A child is just put in front of a laptop or whatever they get on with their work. Mm -hmm. And it's not laziness or anything. It's just the fact that, well, I learned somehow that child's going to learn somehow, mm -hmm. like whatever else is going on. I can't, I can't speak to that, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's really, really about thinking about those cultures and finding ways to actually make it work for them. Yeah. And I think I've had that because I had that, that, that sort of situation where after like the parent was um kind enough to do the therapy that I well I don't know if kind enough is the right word but the parent you know decided to do the therapy that I um we, we agreed on but mm. even sometimes whilst during the therapy or after the therapy I was just thinking is this correct <laughs> mm. because these things are based on western understandings of mm -hmm. um play and and language and whatever but because you're so new to the profession because you don't really know necessarily that much you might have these thoughts but you just don't know what to do about it mm. at the same time sometimes it's it's nice for people to try something different because mm, they'll, exactly. they'll it just it's so you know there's so many different ways around it um or, or ways to see it so yeah I, I think it's something that's ongoing and actually we need to kind of think about a lot more and I'd love to read that um research that you were saying about um Sean Pert's one because yeah. it's so true like you can't just plaster something on everybody but you also can't assume that they do not want to do it or they yeah. won't do it because exactly. like you say culture changes mm -hmm. things move on you know people do sometimes decide that they want to ascribe to the culture that they're in whatever your thoughts mm. are about that whether you think it's right or wrong sometimes that's mm. the decision that they've made exactly. um, sometimes even if they've grown up in um, another culture sometimes their cultural norm in that in that place was a western norm mm. so you know like we I feel like we say this all the time but it's just basically you can't assume no <laughs> you just have to go on a, a person by person mm. uh basis and sort of reflect on these things be aware of them but don't make them a rule book because yes you know like we said it's not that straightforward it's not that simple mm. no exactly and I just exactly everything you said I was just about to say as well that it is about considering everyone as an individual and looking at what is going to be effective for that individual child or that individual adult that you might be working with or that yeah. family that you're working with. What is, what is, what is realistic mm. to you? Yeah. Um, and I think as therapists, sometimes it's very easy to get caught up in just doing the same things or recommending mm. what is comfortable mm. without really taking the time to think about, okay, what is important for this child and what is important for this family at this time mm. um, and what is realistic and achievable for them? How can we mm. tailor it to um, their culture and their needs as well? Mm. And then I guess putting forward what is, I guess, the norm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think there needs to be more research into it, to be honest, because mm-hmm. I don't think the re- there is enough research out there about different types of um, therapy approaches for some cultures. I think mm-hmm. there are there are research um, papers out there for other cultures, but I'm not sure about particularly, I don't know, West African Caribbean cultures. I don't think mm-hmm. there is that much out there. No. Um, so I think that there's, there's work that needs to be done um, mm. in order to make this possible. Mm. Um, but I think it's, it's good that it's good to start having the conversation, mm. start actually thinking about this so that when we do go to work and we are working with these families, that we are more aware of, of these differences and, and maybe start challenging our own thoughts around things as well. Mm. 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 I just remembered a piece of, I think it was the research um, that you'd seen in Aravna that you shared with us as professionals as well. There is a culture within our profession, isn't it, that we are kind of indoctrinated into. Um, sometimes as well, like we, we're familiar with the culture, like from like our home or our background, but also like because of our studies, we've also been indoctrinated into a culture, mm-hmm. a way of thinking um, mm-hmm. within our profession that conflicts, that sometimes conflicts with our home culture. Mm. Um, so there's certain things that I'm sure if I didn't do speech and language therapy, I would probably be fine with, mm. um, or that I might not think too much of, if that makes sense. Well, because I've done speech and language therapy, I've worked within the health, think about safeguarding and all of that. Like there's certain things I hear that just like, just makes my antennas pop <laughs> because mm. I'm like, mm, should that be happening? Whereas if I say, if I, like, even if it's not someone I work with, I just uh, overhear a conversation or I'm a party or a gathering and I see things happening, I, that hat doesn't go off, if that makes mm. sense. It's probably like di- dialed down, but that's still there somewhere. And if I kind of mention to my siblings who don't work in health, like healthcare, for example, I said, did you find that awkward? They're like, no, that's normal. Mm. <laughs> and whereas I'm like, mm, I'm not sure. So mm. it's, just, it's just really interesting. Mm. yeah yeah it is interesting and it's not that it's not that you know the information that's currently out there is not right I just think it's it's about considering people's individuals and working from there really um Mm. but I think we we've had quite a good discussion today and I'm just thinking about you know going forward then um what what could be done I really um feel that there needs to be some sort of like what I was saying in the in the beginning there needs to be some sort of space or forum to talk about these things more mm. um because like I said I I don't want them to there to be a thing of you have to see people who come from the same place as you because no. you know that's not what we're going for but it's just I think there needs to be more training in cultural competency Mm. to allow all of us to be able to you know meaningfully and um appropriately um adapting our therapy and our work to meet the needs of of people so that they don't have to cut off their culture or pretend to do something around us or feel kind of awkward about something or you know what they say is misunderstood kind of thing Mm. But like, in order for that to happen, like you need the, the training. And I don't think it's like a one-off. Here's what cultural competency is training. Oh, like, yeah. no, it's just like an ongoing, 
conversation like you know like when we were talking to Michelle like let's actually have a conversation about mm. these things mm. you know this mm. is my knowledge of Carib- of Caribbean culture or this is my knowledge of whatever acknowledging that it changes mm-hmm. um, you know this is a case that happened what do we think like what how can we adapt this like all of these things mm. I think that 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 would be helpful and it mm. just needs to be ongoing especially because we haven't really done this before I think as a profession no I think it's been like talked about here and there but Mm. not consistently like you know let's actually um consider this Mm -hmm. frequently Mm -hmm. and also let's also talk about our culture Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the fact even if people don't come from a different um like cultural background in terms of the country that they come from the culture there even in terms of the health culture and things mm. that you assume that people understand and it's an unsaid mm-hmm. rule and all of this and they don't yes and they're too worried to say it because they're mm-hmm. they, they don't want to look a certain way or mm. they don't want to look like they don't understand or mm. they don't know that they're allowed to ask questions mm-hmm. or you know all of that sort of thing so yeah I think it's just more more space to discuss and um, think about these things and try and implement it. Yeah, really good. Make really, you really make you make really good um, and valid points, um, Arab. And I really like like in terms of like carving spaces for people to have this conversation, um, because whether we like it or not, our society is going to continue to be diverse um, in ways that that we probably can understand at this present time diversity in many ways, um, not just um, in terms of race, um, is probably only going to continue <laughs> and evolve, uh, might I add. Um, I think um, whilst you're saying that, I remember that one of my colleagues, a br- brilliant, brilliant colleague actually, I'll add, um, she found that she found out that um, the LCSLT have, um, they have people you can speak to about language norms in different cultures. I didn't know that. Wow, that's um, great. So that, I've never heard of that before. Wow. Yeah, it's really interesting that you can call the RCSLT if you if you're concerned about language norms and all that kind of stuff about like for a child, and they'll be able to give you advice. But what I don't know if there is also cultural norms discussed as part of that conversation because that gives you a a bigger picture if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So on mm-hmm. one hand, you can get the um, language norms. Um, you might also be able to get some information on cultural norms, but I think also another way to probably improve on that and probably make it better is that like for there to be at least a bit more evidence about consultation mm-hmm. is representatives, or at least people from those cultures, yeah. having those, like, do you understand, consulting with them, mm. um, having those open conversations, releasing that information into the public sphere, like where we can find them, all that kind of stuff. I think mm. that would work really well, hand in hand with what you what you said, Arabna. Yeah, I think it will work well, because the thing that I'm rare, the thing that I'm really wary about is things turning into tick boxes, like, yeah they're from um to use Ghana again they're from Ghana and these are the cultural norms in Ghana but going back to the beginning of the conversation it's not that straightforward (laughs) no so that's what we were saying about you know you have to take a very individual approach um but I think that if you have that thing in your head of sort of cultural respect Mm. um hopefully it will it will support and you know 
it's something that we're all working on. I'm working on it. Well, I'm not working clinically at the moment. So, you know, when I go back to full-time clinical work, um, it's something to think about and to kind of, you know, see if I'm actually practicing what I'm preaching because mm-hmm. you, you're, we're all guilty of these things as well because, exactly. you know, these things kind of, it's, yeah. But I think if we at least have that time and space and just access to information, like why isn't that, uh, you know, the fact that I didn't even know that the RCSLT did that, that needs to be like, you know, sounded loudly exactly. <laughs> to say we do this also you know yeah. to be honest I didn't and neither did a lot of my colleagues at that meeting actually we're all like kind of like oh wow that's that's interesting I didn't mm. know that mm. so again it's great it's there but obviously we're not utilizing it if a lot of us don't know about it yeah yeah exactly yeah I mean just to say I agree with everything that both of you have have suggested in terms of moving forward and what things could happen and I absolutely think that training is necessary Um, Mm. I think in addition to what's been said already just thinking about training actually for the for teams around how to be professionally curious Mm -hmm. knowing how to find out about cultures in a sensitive way what kind of questions to ask how to ask the questions Mm. and how to create a space where you know clients feel comfortable to share um why they're deciding not to follow a particular recommendation or you know be having a space to actually share um, their personal experiences as being service users Mm. and that could be really helpful just having Mm. groups which is facilitated by someone in the trust, <laughs> I don't mm. know, someone um, where parents' voices can really be heard and they can say, look, this is something that I've experienced um, mm. and this is something that for me worked well or this is something that for me didn't quite work well. Um, mm. And actually I would have liked my culture to have been considered in this way or I would have liked mm. to you know, be asked my opinion about this rather than, mm. you know, immediately referred to social care or something you know mm. <laughs> I think yeah. it's yeah. good to to have that those opportunities as well mm. um, so yeah I'm really hoping that you know going forward we will start to see some change in some of these areas but mm-hmm. I think we can have the conversation mm. um, yeah I think it's really good to have the conversation yeah mm. definitely no, I agree On today's episode of the Listen In podcast, we shared our thoughts and experiences on being cultural insiders and outsiders, aka the double-edged sword with its different pros and cons. And as always, we shared some tips and ideas on how to move forward. It will be lovely to hear your thoughts and experiences as well. So feel free to drop a comment or send us a message on our social media pages or via email. Until next time, bye.